Hey, welcome to another episode of Ask Mom and Dad. Dad and Mom. One, one of the two. Well, it, yeah. Which I give you, you hot top billing because, because you're, well, you're, you're alphabet. We're going backwards in the, the alphabet. Head of the household. So you could say Dad and Mom. Oh, okay. See, well, see, it would be Dad and Mom. Yeah, well, I'm being, also, as we learned last time, I'm highly considerate of women and want to listen to what they have to say and take them very seriously. Oh, that's by, cool. By totally not catching what you said. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Jesus listens to everybody and values people all. Yes, he does. I may forget to yeah, value you might. now and again. Goodness, you might miss goodness. The... <laughs> so, last time we were talking about calling. Let's just get into it before I get into any more water. That's okay. just, you know, Sounds you ever good. had that moment where you're in the surf and you're yeah, walking you're out and you're thinking, right oh, now. it's so nice out here. I'm in the surf. The waves are good. And then all of a sudden you're underwater because it just dropped right off. No, I've done that a few times. Um, scary. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, we're talking about calling. And yes, we're going to just keep rolling. And I was, last time we talked about the obvious calls. And uh, and I, I said I would begin this time by starting my uh, story. I, you told a little bit about what it was become to answer that original call, which is where Christ calls us to himself. Yeah. And uh, that we call that uh, conversion or salvation. Um, you know, when, when we first come, become aware of the fact that there's a God that's calling us, that's pursuing us. Um, and and accept that calling. We hear that Paul tells us that they, how can we hear without a preacher? And so we hear that oftentimes through preachers or family members, people the preach means to proclaim the word. Yeah. So someone who tells us the story tells us who Jesus is. Um, Book of Deuteronomy reminds of us that that's something that yeah. should be in every family is passing that story on from family to family. Right. You talked about your mom and and your family and and how you were five when you became a follower of Jesus and. How that was reinforced at home. I'm. I don't want to say that my parents didn't reinforce Christianity um, at home. It was. We went to church every single Sunday, um, except for alternating Sundays when my dad's um, NFL tickets allowed us to take turns to go to home games. Um, I mean, you got to get your religion priorities right, right? And so, apparently, if you live in Atlanta anyway. Right? I did. Yeah, it really wasn't a very religious experience to go to Falcons games in the '80s. Just to be real clear <laughs> about that. Um, I mean, it gave you an emotional rush, which we're going to talk a little bit about emotional rush sometimes, but most of it was disappointing. Let's just say it that way. Uh, yeah, and I'm, okay. I'm still not a Cowboys fan. I just, <laughs> even living in Texas, I just couldn't bring myself to love the Cowboys after watching what they did to my Falcons all those years. The point that I'm getting at is uh, my family, I would say, is are, we're Christians, but I, I think also by some standards we might call it more of a nominal existence in the sense that we went to church, but if we were going to get spiritual teaching, it was going to be at church. Um as, as my parents, as my dad, um, my dad passed away when he was 54, um, same age I am now, and uh, and he had cancer, and it took his life bef- uh, by August of the year he turned 54, and and so I, I had, there were some periods of time in that time frame of his coming to realize that the end was coming, that he, he really rapidly grew to understand more what it was to think more about the long term. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting how that can happen with us sometimes. Yeah, of but eternity as, when you're facing yeah, but it. For me as a child, um, I went to church all the time. It was just something we did. We went on Wednesdays. We went on Sundays. went on Sunday nights. Um, and my mother... Because your mom played the piano. My mom played the piano, so she was she was both there because she wanted to be there because she didn't always play the piano, but she was also there because that was where her social circles were. That's where... Um, that's where she was uh, doing good in her community. She and it was just—it's just something our our family did in that generation. You, my my mom and dad were a little older than yours. Um, well, yours are more boomers. My mom was be what you call a the silent generation. So there's a whole lot of that linger of just you do what's right because it's right to yeah, do. Yeah, I was gonna say you also grew up in the South, and legitimately the Bible Belt 
where it is a part of their culture. They so they go yeah. because that's what you're supposed right. to do. Did you right? just say you weren't born in the South? Well, I mean, my dad I've didn't think you teased, were. My dad said know, they just think they're, they're Southerners. Teased, whatever. Yeah. I grew up in the southern part of Missouri. That's all I'll give you. I'm not really. It was very Midwest. Well, I've learned yeah. since that it was very Midwest. But also, we had a lot of the culture of the Bible Belt, but not necessarily um, the same sense. And in reality, like we've learned since we've married, there was a sense of a, to me a little bit more of a depth of that because of the maybe the spreading out to the toward the west their farmers whatever they had to kind of they had to kind of um live in understanding of a almost testing god not not in a sense of testing him but but living him proving himself to them because my my grandfather was a a farmer and lived off the land and that's all I'm trying to say is I think it proved god a little bit more to them they lived a real um, more closely, I, I I'm not giving. I'm not even trying to down your family. I'm just saying that I think in some cultures, especially in urban cultures, it was a, a more of a habit of what you're supposed to well, do. Well, and you touch on something, something important, even more so than. I'm sorry to, to shut you no, down. No, that's right. Um, even more importantly, though, I think is you the difference between an urban and a rural family. Yeah, uh, I was raised in different. Atlanta, Georgia, or north of Atlanta in a little town called Roswell, and I was really proud of that town and. It had about 30,000 people in it, but it was metropolitan hub of Atlanta. It was outside the perimeter, um, <laughs> but it was still, uh, and it was a Civil War town. It was one of the few towns that didn't burn down, that didn't get burned down in the in the, in the torching towards in Atlanta, Sherman's the march, march during Sherman's yeah. March. <laughs> I think that march, did Sherman's March start where Grant was located in Missouri? No, it didn't, um, but <laughs> just pointing out that Missouri is not in the South. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> That's, nope. You can't make Civil so. War jokes because that's bad. Yeah. Um, the, no, but proudly in neutral territory is what Missouri was. <laughs> yeah, Missouri was like, come on through. Um, the uh, there was a, so there's a lot of beautiful old homes and a lot of old history. Not all good, not all bad. Uh, the, the there was just there was a lot of, it, but it was still very much a um, city living. So I was a city boy, we, and we even joke that, you know, it's therefore I'm more technologically oriented because the city's <laughs> technology. No, just because I like tech and you've got a Bible open on the table. I have a iPad open on the table. Both have Bibles, <laughs> but one is um, on a timeline because of the battery. But the, <laughs> but the other, anyway, uh, so my upbringing was different. All of that rambling aside. Uh, so we were there. I was there a lot. And honestly, for me, my heroes were the ministers of the churches. I felt like these were people who knew what they were doing with their lives and their worlds. And I remember and you saying that the youth minister really did affect you. His life name. was, um, well, I would have remembered if you wouldn't have asked because you've talked about him so much. I can but. tell you the name of several ministers that came across my path. But it was youth minister. There was... Um, it was a big church, so there was youth ministers. There was the associate, associate pastor, pastor of mm-hmm. administration. There was the pastor of, of, of the education. Um, of education. There was I was a singer, so the the music ministry of the church was really a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, I went on mission trips, which I'm going to get to that. That were um, that were uh, rooted out of the music ministry. That was my favorite ones to go on. <laughs> we'd go away and we'd learn a song and or musical in, in a week, and then we'd come back and perform it at church. Woo-hoo! <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wasn't the jock. I was the musician, but the um, I was a briefly a jock. But the uh, <laughs> uh, church for me was something we did because it was part of our culture to begin with. The message of Jesus began to take hold in me and make sense to me right around the time I, I hit puberty. 
and um, probably because it's such a confusing time anyway. But um, I was sitting in classes and listening to my Sunday school teachers and my buddies, and I was wanting to fit in really, really bad. But what's interesting about that is, is every teenager wants to fit in with their peers. And, and I, I did struggle with that, but I really wrestled with the sense of who Jesus was and what he wanted from me and, um, and, or what he wanted. Yeah. Well, at that point in life, that's all I what could figure it out. Right. Yeah. I always had a sense of the presence of God. I always talked to God. I, I can still remember some of those weird times and I just always kind of knew God was there. And I didn't, I never felt like he didn't answer prayers just because I couldn't hear his voice audibly. I just knew he was there. There was just no question. You talked a little bit about this last week about how children, kind of um know can sense can see and i and i don't remember any of that but i just wonder if sometimes when i was really really young when i was five and eight or somewhere in there if i was just aware enough of the presence of god that it just it rooted in me mm-hmm. because i just don't have a time in my life where i question the existence of god other than that brief flash now and again that just comes across like what if it's wrong and then it's gone as quick as it's there yeah because mm-hmm. it's like my mind knows better. My heart knows better. There's something that's going, what if that's the dumbest thing I ever just thought? You know, <laughs> it's like, and not to mention, it's a great, it's not a great comfort to know that God's there. It's it's a great bet to say, what have I got to lose? If I'm wrong, I'm just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm going to put my faith in something that I don't want to be wrong about. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that will I, matter. <laughs> I, I was wrestling with it. And so there was a point and I just remember the preacher preaching and giving us an opportunity to respond. And um, I do remember um, I, I do remember getting out from the pew and walking down the middle aisle. Well, there was two aisles. Mm-hmm. I walked down the right middle aisle <laughs> and, um, and met uh, the pastor, Seymour, at the front of the church and, and told him I wanted to receive Jesus. And we prayed together. And because I was 13, 12, yeah, 12, um, mm-hmm. I was called immediately um, that Monday, my mom got a call and I had to have a meeting with the pastor. <laughs> scared me to death. I mean, do you know how big conference tables look when you're 12? Um, and so I, I went to the um, church. I don't remember the day of the meeting. And I, and I do. I, I'm telling you, the chairs looked like they were mammoth. Huge, and they were just, yeah. <laughs> and, and I just, to this day, those images are there. And I go in the same conference. The church has been there. And I don't think they've got a new conference table. The last time I was there was probably seven years ago or plus. And it was but, seven miles but long. But I walked in there and I'm looking at it going... This isn't that big. And, uh, <laughs> but um, I went in, into this room, and the pastor came in to meet me, also seemed big, um, <laughs> and sat down in the chair, and he walked me through everything, and he just wanted to make sure. I thought I was in trouble, um, but because that's just <laughs> that's, where I live. Yeah, I, um, I still kind of live there. <laughs> so he says, can we talk? And I'm like, crap. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <In> trouble. <laughs> um, well, I'm way too old for that, but it's still a thing. So, um, the, uh, the pastor said, let me walk you through this process. And he asked me if I understood what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And I said, yes. And, and then he said, uh, he, he basically walked me through the plan of salvation again to make sure I understood what it was to, to, to make a decision to answer the call. And I, I somehow or another managed to convince him that I was serious. I wasn't just walking out because it was an emotional moment. Um, <laughs> or because other youth were doing it or something. Or because, I, well, there wasn't any other Sometimes, youth doing it. I don't remember yeah. anybody else doing it. I just remember it was kind of an evening. It was a night service. I know that much. It wasn't morning. That's cool. Um, and so, because football. Um, so, <laughs> so, and I, I went down front and I asked Jesus into my life and then um, we did the meeting and then sure enough later on at another, a night service I think once a month they had baptisms and I got mm-hmm. baptized and um, back then they didn't let you tell your story or explain it to you just they brought you down they said this is mm-hmm. Greg he said he wanted to follow Jesus yeah. and it's over with <laughs> um, it was weird because I didn't like you unlike you 
nothing really changed. I didn't get a lot of, I got a good for you, son, you know, and mm-hmm. proud of you, dad. dad. And, and again, I want to say, again, my mom and dad did the best they could with me, but there wasn't just something pervasive in their lives. It was what we did. For me, it was more than that. Yeah. It was so much more than just what I did. It was something that I knew defined me different now. But <laughs> I was still a 13-year-old at this point who had just gone through this transition that made everything soft and curly-haired around me look really, really interesting <laughs> and um, in different ways than it had before. And um, I, along with that, the social pressures that came with high school, we didn't have yeah. middle school. Middle school is this strange, I mean, literally, literally the school systems have created purgatory for kids. Right. And I don't know Called why we school. would do that. Yeah, yeah, put them in purgatory where they don't know which way they're going. <laughs> um, and so... <clears throat> That I, I didn't have that. I just went straight to high school. It was called sub-freshman when I was a year. Uh, Eighth grade, it was a sub-freshman. And all uh-huh. I knew was that I was going to find senior ring imprints all over the top of my were... head. And I was going to get beat senseless. And I joined the football team in order to prove myself. Because, again, I was making decisions because of what people expected of me. Yeah. And I was expected to be a football player. And so they made me an offensive lineman. I was mad because I was faster than the fullback. And, um, and I, was, I was able to hit harder. But he said, but you're big. And so I was big enough to hit things and did. I, I wasn't in football long. And then I became a choir guy. And, but the whole point is that through all that time, I'm seeking to impress people. But I'm having this internal wrestling match mm-hmm. that says, this isn't who you are. You're not someone who needs to be. And of course, I can still remember one of my friends, I think it was my friend, pulling me aside and said, Greg, you just need to be you. And I can still look at, remember looking at this guy going, who is that? What does that mean? What does that even yeah. mean? You're asking a 15-year-old to know who he is, and he's looking at you like, just be yourself. <laughs> who might that be? You know, um, I was told I, myself was to be football. I was told I was to be, I, I enjoyed choir. I enjoyed singing. I enjoyed performing. That was all Things I knew that were who well, I was, but there was genuine... something in the interpersonal relationships that was just trying to be something for others, what they thought I was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, you were a gen, you talked about your genuine wrestling match though with were you supposed to be tough or were you supposed to be kind of soft because you were oh, gosh. in choir and all that? Yeah, and, and my, again, I told you my <laughs> family was of that generation that just said, suck it up. My dad's <laughs> hero was John Wayne. <laughs> my mother's hero was my dad, I guess. And because um, my. But no wonder uh, you had a wrestling yeah, match. If I ever had an emotional moment, it was suck it up, kid. You know, and that was my parents. You <laughs> I was going to say, your mom couldn't was go to more the, that way than yeah, your dad, my, I think. My mom would not be one you would consider <laughs> to go to for Marine. comfort. <laughs> mom would be like, do you need a hug? What? <laughs> we don't do that. Um, and so. Yeah, so I was a softer, tenderer kind, and it wasn't a genetic thing. Um, so we, my brother and I both were adopted. So there was, you know, there was also that uncertainty where we came from, and no, that didn't affect my identity. I didn't even care. <laughs> um, but uh, I was wrestling with what that meant to be who I was supposed to be. Now, continuing all this time to go to church. Funniest thing ever to me remembering was I'd go to church on Sunday with the same people I was out drinking with on Saturday night, Eek. and we'd all be sitting in the circle. Some of them would be in better shape than others based upon their tolerance. I seemed to never have an issue with the shape I was in. I was always in a good place and a good mood and ready to engage church. And I just still was just enamored that there's something more. Okay. I began along the journey to have this sense that God was whispering to me. And I don't want to say that there was this audible voice, but I will tell you that there was something audible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just always this sense that, you are to help people. You're to serve people. You're, there's something about giving yourself away. And I don't even know how to so really. It was so real to you. It was that so flippant real yeah. to me. And it was, it, it's not, I want to make it real sure that you understand. It's not a, wasn't this like 
experience yeah. that's booming. <laughs> but it was this just nagging. Bob calls it a still small voice. Yeah, that's. It didn't Does seem still it? or small. <laughs> it may have been quiet, but it was, it was just knocking in the back of your head. Yeah. Well, because I again, I'm judging myself by my peers, and my peers are doing way better at all the things I thought I should be doing good because I'm a teenager, and I didn't have this parent that was saying, "Son, you're going to be okay. Suck it up." And and uh, that, well, I had a parent saying, "Yeah, that part. Suck it up. The... You'll be okay." Um, but there were the emphasis wasn't on understanding where I was at in the struggle. The emphasis was on just power through. Yeah. And so I was powering through and, um, well, it's interesting really just kind of deep dive into this a little bit, doing my own counseling service here. But there was, there was a, always this sense that there was something more. And I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, you know, I had this great calling where, um, that, that in a moment it all became clear to me. Like I said, it was always this thing that was going in stupid things. I was, I accidentally got to, I decided at one point because I started going to other youth groups. This was another thing. And I went to other youth groups for the most noblest reasons that any young man can go to other youth groups. To meet girls. Dif- well, no, I had already met the girls. Oh, okay. I just to follow the was girls? following them there. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't beat me to the punchline like that. That's Sorry. Just, I thought I would. Know, uh, that was good. Well, you just know. Wink you know at me. You. Yeah. Wink, you. wink. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I can't say that it wasn't when I had left across the room with you that I wasn't sitting at a mission thing going, <laughs> some good looking girls here. Again, there is this thing that God made all men to go. Yeah. Hey, hey. Gotcha. Um, so I, I was sitting there at one youth group and I, I heard a different minister other than mine. And I said already the pastors of my church were my heroes. And, and the same thing was true. These, they just seemed like there was something solid about them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know what that was and how that was. And I, and I've, now that I've lived a few years, I know all ministers aren't solid. They all know <laughs> got together. But as a matter of fact, most of them are just kind of struggling along like the rest of us. And they have their ups yeah. and their downs. But for a young man, seeing that, um, those pastors and, and, and the girls that were there to be chased, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any of their names. Something came and went. But um, my but my I never caught any thoughts of them, on that. The is there, you must have saw a depth in these men that you weren't able to see other places. Yeah, there was there was, was something, something more. And, yeah. and and I and again so I say all that to say meanwhile I'm going out on Saturday nights and Friday nights and I'm trying to fit in with the larger crowd. I'm drinking and I mean, I should be dead so many times over for the tum, dumb, dumb things that oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> and, um, and, and I wasn't good at any of it. I was just being dumb. But I can still remember even one time I was helping a girl. <laughs> this is stupid. Helping a girl throw up in the bushes, um, realizing along the line that I was kind of sick myself. And, um, and it wasn't from that. I was just, I had been around it and I didn't realize I'd been drinking because someone had spiked the punch. Um, but during that time I was helping her, again, I heard that voice, that sense that you're going to be helping people. You're going to be doing this. And it was just, hmm. at that point in time, so, so was I drinking and therefore I had a moment? No, it was a consistent thing, thing that happened yeah. no matter. And, and I, I think of the psalmist that says, you know, if I go in the darkness of Sheol or if I'm in the highest of heavens, there you are. It doesn't there matter you where are. you are. God can mm-hmm. speak to you. And I think he does. Oh, yeah, but but I, does. again, want to say it wasn't like there was this audible voice going, Greg. <laughs> it was a sense. Yeah. It isn't, and it does. I, I'm sitting here. I literally said before we started this, I don't want to make it so spiritual that nobody ever thinks they can do it. But for me, it was. There was just something yeah, real about it. But and, I think what what you're trying to say by that is not for everyone to search for this big, literal burning bush, you know, experience. However, the Bible's very clear that you're going to hear His voice. His even like you were referencing last time we talked in Romans one about 
how his attributes are um we have no excuse we see his attributes everywhere god says he has he has shown us himself so we may see it we may hear it we may know it but but he lets us know he calls us because his voice is um what's the word i don't know hearable it's 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 knowable it's knowable (laughs) we can know his voice jesus said that he said my sheep know my voice i i i I get into that because i want us to transition to the larger calling so i became a christian when i was 12 i and and i um, was baptized when i was 12 i really struggle with staying on the path because of my adolescent desires and needs Mm -hmm. but the the story i told about the girl and throwing up in the bushes was relevant in the sense it was my senior year and i'd sworn off that i was no longer going to drink (laughs) because i was going to try and figure out what god wanted for my life it was my senior year of high school i was nervous about the future. I didn't know what was coming up next. My grades weren't the greatest because I was doing those other things I mentioned. <laughs> and so what I I did was that's why I was surprised that I was inebriated at the party. Someone, it's like the punch. I wasn't trying to, but yeah, God found me even in that moment means. and reminded me, and he drove me home that night and mm-hmm. we won't get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, um, there was, there was the question of what was God asking of my life? What am I going to do from graduation on? So I'm in a crisis at this moment. I know what's going on. And there's, I mentioned that we had annual youth choir trips, mm-hmm. and we would go up to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, to a retreat center up there, and we would spend a week in a barn-looking place with the choir director teaching us a thing, and, and I went there, and I wanted to answer that question. So I spent, and again, I was not just a singer at school, I was a singer, I mean, a singer at church, I was a singer in high school, I was doing classical training, I had voice lanes, and I kind of knew I wanted to be a musician at that point. I'm thinking rock star, right? Because, well, I'm a teenager, again. And, <laughs> and so I, I was pursuing the dream of the music that God had put in me. Um, I just didn't know it at the time. And so I went out and I walked in, oh, I went barefoot and stepped yeah, on a B. Got stung by a B. D, a D. This is how God uses... Uh, everything, including negative things, oh, right? Man, it hurt so bad. <laughs> um, and so I wound up being allowed to be, to miss some meetings because I found that standing in that ice cold water coming down off the mountain yeah, the stream was just was numbing to my feet. So the, my choir director said, you just come for the meetings and then go out and you can walk. Mm-hmm. So I walked up and down a stream for five days and just sang and prayed. And, um, and okay, prayed through song. And I think I just sang like Amazing Grace over and over, but just made up the words. And <laughs> I just remember because that's what I did, right? In those moments, I finally surrendered to God. That um, up on a up on a hill, laying on a rock, I just said, "Lord, it's it's enough. I'm I, I know you want to follow. I don't I want to follow you. I believe that. I believe now that those ministers, those people that I look to, were not because I want to be like them when I grow up. I believe that God was showing me what I was going to be when I grew up. I just mm-hmm. didn't know how to process that at the time. Yeah. Um, they were definitely influences, and they were definitely." Um, <clears throat> That's the word I'm looking for. Mentors. They were mentors. Right? But I mean, I can look back on and several of them now. I'm like going, I don't know, I'd follow that guy if I knew what I knew about him now. Um, or what, and what I mean by that is not to degrade the ministry, just theologically we've parted ways. We've got different yeah. views on things. But you um, saw in them something that God was putting in your own heart and he wanted you to see. God showed right? me his priesthood for whatever, you know, or showed yeah. me the people and he said, this is where you're supposed to be. I, I gave in to that on that mountain that night and I had a religious experience. I had <laughs> the sense of flame coming down from heaven above, didn't see anything like that. <laughs> I would just say it this way, I couldn't move. I was overwhelmed with presence. Yeah. Um, presence. And I, one of the biggest questions that I had also being very deep and emotional 
um, about wanting to connect with God was, God, I want to follow you, but you need to comfort me that there will be some fun. Um, (laughs) And God, not being mocked, uh, made this a moment that actually turned out to be pretty fun. And that's a story. And I'll tell it quick. There was a person coming up the hill with our pastor of the time, uh, Pastor Songer, Jerry Songer, and she was telling him about the Night of the Living Dead. Um, because that's what you talk to your pastor about when um, you're in the dark so, walking up a mountain when I'm sitting yeah. there thinking as I can hear them walking in the distance I'm starting to, and, and it's to hold me going what's that they're talking about are they talking about zombies and so and by the way back then there was Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead there was this is the 80s there was only two of them I know there was maybe three or four but I only knew two and um, and I was starting to laugh to myself because like, why is she telling him this so she's getting ahead and I hear her start to say what is that up ahead who's up there and I was wearing a white shirt I didn't know that I mean I probably did know that, but I was wearing a white shirt and I'm laying on this rock and I can't move. And I'm just thinking, that's funny. I don't know what's going to come of this, but (laughs) as she got closer and closer and closer, finally just kind of saying, what's that? What's that? I just rolled my head over and I said, hi, Madeline, which was the (laughs) name of the person. But what I think came out was more along the lines of, (laughs) and she lost her (laughs) sensibilities and turned around and almost destroyed the pastor running over him to get down the hill (laughs) and screaming because she had talked herself into that tizzy Mm -hmm. and when I turned over and could barely talk and the pastor walked over and said Greg is that you he didn't freak out (laughs) another reason that ministers were my role model Um, they didn't lose their mind in the face of fiction um, (laughs) like we do in our modern culture I think the coolest part of that story is the next day you saw that 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 actually the rock you were laying on was an altar right yeah you just loved my punchlines don't you yeah well that's probably because I'd cry if I told it anyway (laughs) but yeah the next day I didn't realize it because again it was dark it was nighttime I wasn't paying attention I went up that hill again and it was a cross that said that you know it was a sacrificial rock and it was a cross and I'd laid myself down on an altar Mm -hmm. and um, see I can't um, not everybody may have an experience like that, a religious moment. I wasn't doing mushrooms. I hadn't eaten anything natural. <laughs> it was, but there was a moment there, and I and I can count on on, on one Spiritual hand times moment, where, the, and, right. and it was in that moment too. I didn't hear God's voice in nag and whisper like that, like I'd been hearing all along. But there was a sense of, oh, like the light came on. You know, it's like this is what it's what he meant, and it wasn't the emotional experience. I, I was, I'm emotional about it now, and I always have been whenever I tell that story, just like when I tell the story of how I knew you were the one that I was supposed to marry. Mm-hmm. There was a sense of deep, deep yeah. sense of peace or knowing or peace. Yeah. There's something that's there. It's it is explain. not. An, emotions may accompany it. Yeah. Experience may accompany it. But whatever it is that God does in your heart does not easily uproot when the Bible That's talks right. about uh, uh, oaks and trees of righteousness and planting, and th- those <laughs> those metaphors are are there to say God's will is not undone. There may be a bunch of people running around claiming that it is, and their experiences weren't enough. Blah, blah. Well, then yeah. What are you putting your faith in? Are you putting your faith in an experience? Yeah. Now, I want to I want to say that because that's the second aspect of what we wanted to talk about mm-hmm. um, is calling, as it is specific to a vocation. There was a lot going on in my life, and, and I, I want to track back through that really quickly to say something that may or may not apply to the, the listener. I have, in the course of this deconstruction, seen that God had me seeing things along the way that gave me a vocation that I also was to have. First and foremost, as a follower of Jesus, we are all called to share the gospel. We're all called to call people to, to Jesus. Witnesses, so right. whether I'm a Christian pastor or not, 
that exists. That's an underlying truth. That's the obvious call, right? That's the obvious call. It's your identity. But for me, as a um, as a young man, also, I was I think fortunate in that God also chose and called me and showed me through the course of events in my life and that nagging in my heart that I was going to be doing what I'm doing today. Um, caring for others, pastoring, teaching and bringing people and growing them and discipling him in Jesus and getting to sing a song now and again because <laughs> I still did do the music training. But um, but those things are um, those things are all something that God used along the way to shape me for his vocational call or for his call. And that's kind of where I think I want to say is... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to add on to that. So it's kind of similar to me in that sense that I had music in my background as well. My parents and family sing and um, all of my mother's family have had various groups, normally um, Southern Gospel type groups out of them. So music was dear and near and it was a – but mine was an angle on worship that I don't think I ever completely understood and still don't. That God had put in my heart very young as well, so that, so there that there's a sense of God's presence when I in, encounter maybe music. So there's a there's a combination of that, but He used some of that to take me towards where He would call me. But but it wasn't the complete. Just like with you and what I've experienced with you anyway, music kind of got you going that direction. The call of God was on your heart. It was it was for your life. It was it became a a sense of who you would how you would live out your life, right? But yeah. not necessarily music was like a a piece of it. It was like a an edge on it. Same with me. But when I was ten and when I was at camp and and I I sensed that my life would be given over to whatever he would take me into. It was it was a from my perspective, a missions calling, a, a calling to, to go and do and be, like you're saying, um, in a ministry setting since I don't even know how to describe it these days because it seemed as if it would be vocationally then, not just an identity of, of a witness of who Jesus is and what he is about, but also in a, a sense of this is going to be the rest of my life. So, so I, we both I had totally an understanding that life was we were going to yeah. be doing this for life, and it was going to be the primary thing that we do. I really want to just make a, a, colon, a semicolon parenthesis here and say, <laughs> what is it that God's shaping in your life? When you're trying to figure out where you are supposed to be and what you're supposed to do, the the thought that, um, that I want to say, because we're two preacher-type people with ministry <laughs> callings, but I think the 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 process is similar. I think God works in all of us to put a passion in our heart that's unique yeah. to who you are. The I mean, it could be I mean, you know, Jesus woodworked before he was called to ministry, but <laughs> you know, um, Paul made tents. The, we all had some vocational things. Their 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 underlying thing became. I mean, in Paul's case, the underlying thing became became his vocation. But that's a different culture and a different time. I think for us, as we look at it today, we need to understand that that God is brings about events and desires and passions and things in your life that shape what will eventually be how maybe you're expressing that call. Now, I don't want to be so general so that you can make it anything. It's got to be consistent with what he would call you to do. But um, it could be very well that he calls you to do something. I referenced before um, that uh, some people have left high-profile jobs to go after passions. Um, Like I've got a friend of mine who was in the ministry also, 
um, who left the ministry and wound up um, doing youth ministry for a time, but then found himself passionate when he got involved in a minute an outreach to help stop sex trafficking overseas of children. Yeah. And now he works exclusively for that group. He's become extremely he, he's he wasn't terribly happy in the ministry, mm-hmm. but he is. Been his entire adult life since then, when he found that groove, I just didn't sense anything but joy in him to be a part of that rescue mission. But Um, then we've also known men who have, or even women, who have had a specific calling like to business. We knew a man who felt called to business men. And so he knew he'd have to own a business and and have some of that in order to get on kind of the level of businessman because he wanted to share and be a minister to businessmen. So yeah. I thought that was really it's unique. A super good example. Mm-hmm. All kinds of callings that God. And so, like you're saying, individuals called first to just answer um, the the calling. Jesus said, "Follow me," and then second. When he, um, in the scriptures, he sent out the 75 to some different towns or the disciples were called to a specific kind of ministry that was surrounding Jesus. And there's, you can kind of sense that there was different allocations. Like we know Paul was called, really his calling from my perspective would be, he he planted a few churches, but he also wrote so much of what we would consider God's word to us as believers to understand, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. what Jesus taught when he was on this planet. So his calling was to write down the truths or the explanations. But there's so many different angles on that, I guess, what I was trying to say. I think maybe a key for people who are looking for that, for you and I both, there was a sense of at one point or another God showed us a particular verse or a couple of verses that would kind of be a life. A linchpin. Yeah, a, a life theme, maybe mm-hmm. that's the way to put it. I think, and I've heard a lot of different people I would actually even say I know kind of what my mom's was. Um, hers is, from what I Proverbs understand, two, the way yeah, the way she's taught us Proverbs three, five, and six is what her life has been about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. So you can tell from that scripture, it's not specifically go this way, do this thing. It's trust in me always. I'm gonna lead your path. You know that kind of, and don't don't worry about your own understanding because it's gonna be confusing at times. Well, for me. Mine was Second Corinthians four, five, and six, and and I, it's come back often throughout my life. I don't even remember the exact time. I had this special Bible at one time, which I could go into, and it was so cool when when I believe the Bible kind of jumped off the pages at me and became God's word in my heart, you know, kind of thing. So it could have been when I had that um, particular Bible, but um, but I knew this would be what my life was going to to my life goal maybe or a theme anyway first uh, second corinthians four five and six for we are not proclaiming i don't we don't proclaim ourselves but jesus christ as lord and myself your servant or your slave because of jesus for god who said let light shine dark out of the darkness he's shown in my heart to give me the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ so that was a, a theme that he put in my heart to be and of course you know, there's so many other scriptures that are special to me, but that somehow rang to be, for me, you know, to to hang on to, 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 to angle my life toward or whatever. And then you have Colossians 2, always 6. been, yeah. Because that is, when I was in seminary, someone set me aside and just kind of drew me to the basics. And Colossians 2, 6 says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him, rooted and built up in him. 
um, and established in the faith, faith just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. Um, and But just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, um, made me throw back, and he just pushed that. I said, what do you mean, just as I, I asked him into my life? You know, I don't know. I didn't yeah. know. Um, but then he made me throw back and say, what was your state of mind at the time? And I'm like, dude, I was 12. But <laughs> but the, the thing that, that stuck with me was not so much that, but what it was when I was called to the ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's why it became such for me, because I was helpless. I didn't have a clue what I was going to do with my life, where I was going to go. There was a bit of crisis in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a college worked out. I mean, it was not like I was not going to figure it out as I went along. But as I've learned with raising my own college age kids, <laughs> you know, the, you can kind of be kind of crazy about that kind of stuff with your life. He but, kind of wanted you to never lose sight of what you knew. Yeah. At that I, very I needed early to, age. I needed right. to be reminded that that was the basic. I was desperate and desperately needed Jesus mm-hmm. to give me things. I think we look, live in a world where people are wanting, you know, Jesus to fill their coffee cup for them, you know, and, and serve them, which he would do if he was here. And if he doesn't fill this cup with water right now or coffee right now, then he's not answering my prayers. I think we need to have a bigger view of God than that. And that God, I didn't understand what the heck that man was doing with me when he put me there. And he said, (laughs) Colossians 2, 6 says this, what does it mean? And I'm going, I don't know, I don't know, it's 12. But now I look back on him going, it's been the foundational, never lose sight of the fact that you desperately need Jesus. And And as soon as I do, I'm done. Yeah. Um, because that's when I accept the lie of the Garden of Eden and I get to be my own judge because I decide I'll make my own decisions. And God goes, and welcome to the Garden of Sin. And um, yeah. we, we slip into that now and again, but that's why I need to be reminded that Jesus is what's important. So, if And I'm, I think for me, he wanted me to know that the, the servant part would always be about him, not about myself. I don't want to serve others because I'm going to, like we were talking um, last podcast, I think, about philanthropic goods, you know, I want to be good. I want to do something for somebody. Yeah, I, I, I probably in That's reality want those accolades or whatever. But if I'm serving because I'm not going to proclaim myself, I'm going to proclaim Jesus. Then whatever I serve in His name, it, that's going to be my prayer. You know, well, you know, I might. The feed- other part of that is. Um, God said, light will shine out of the darkness. He shone in my heart. He showed me Jesus. He right. lit up my heart. So therefore, anything I want to do, I want to show um, what he has shown to me about Jesus and who he is. Right. You know? Well, in the accolades business, I might feed the homeless <laughs> because it makes me feel good. Um, but I'm not going to go into a region and a country where I might lose my life yeah. um, because I, I, it's not going to make me feel good. If I lose my life, but I preach the gospel, as we learned from, you know, um, Elliot, uh, that, that, uh, yeah, Jim Elliot, Jim Elliot. Thank you. You know, he didn't see the fruit of that sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and and I, I really, really think that people need to understand that we're not in this life for us. We are loved by Christ and we are chosen by Christ and we are called by Christ to do the basic thing, to offer the freedom that comes with getting set free from our sin. Mm-hmm. But we are we're not we but are we're not called to yeah. lay our own selves down. We're, yeah, the, the calling is to be like Jesus, which means to set ourselves aside, mm-hmm. confident that our Father will take care of us so that we can take care of others. And it's funny because I think we can segue maybe even to the next podcast and talk about how what that looks like in marriage because I believe my calling was going to be on foreign fields, you know. And so 
Instead, when I got married, there were some things about that that I had to change, that I had to realize, okay, laying my life down may not mean I'm in the middle of, you know, some genocide in Africa and being whatever, but I may be laying my life down in order that my husband can do what he's called to do, whatever. Those are things we could get into, but... Um, sure, let's do that. We can do that next time. I'm pretty sure we're running we're are, probably well over time we would have normally spent here anyway. <laughs> so... Um, we're going to call it quits again and just dive out of here. What? And then talk about, wasn't there a third calling that you wanted to talk about? Like you were saying there was like five different callings you said. No, that. I said there's bullet points, <laughs> oh, of okay. which are indefinite in number, depending on when I run out of things oh, oh, to oh, say. Okay, and gotcha. then we go, that's how books are written. Then you go back <laughs> and you say, there are five things. And the people read the book, and go, God, this guy thought there was five things and he figured it all out. But no, he just wrote a lot of stuff down. They went back and counted them. There's five of them. Okay, that's what I come up with. And then somebody comes along and says, no, no, dude, there's six. Um, so anyway, thanks for listening um, uh, to Ask Mom and Dad. And whether you asked this question or not, I hope you learned something. And uh, again, this podcast is brought to you by the Holy Spirit because we don't know what we're going to say. We're just trusting he'll say it for us. Thanks for listening. Bye now.